0: Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, we grow in relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. This series is The Blood Covenant. Here we'll be studying Luke 22, 23, and 24, seeing everything from the Passover to the institution of the Lord's Supper, the cross of Christ, and the coming of the Holy Spirit being promised. And so we hope that you join in with us, that you subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday. We're still looking at the blood covenant, all these events just being saturated with those moments that lead up to the crucifixion and even that which happens after the resurrection. This morning we're going to be in Luke 22, verses 39 through 46. This is what, you know, Carlos isn't here, but he always likes to call the Lord's Prayer, you know. Um, Of course, we always look to Matthew, that Sermon on the Mount, whenever the Lord teaches the apostles to praise the Lord's Prayer. But I think Carlos likes to capture what we need to capture this morning. And uh, and that is to see, a just to, to get that window into the heart of Christ himself and into the apostles and just all that is going on. Just those last moments um, before going to the cross. And so even that command to pray that the apostles receive, I think we profit from as well. And so this morning we're going to see And receive a help, I think, in all matters concerning prayer and temptation. And so Luke 22, verse 39 through 46 is our text. And I invite you to stand as we read from God's Word this morning. And He, Jesus, came out and went, as He was wont, to the Mount of Olives. And His disciples also followed Him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up in prayer and was come to the disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray lest ye enter into temptation. Father, let us pray with earnesty this morning. Lord, I think it's for good reason that you've drawn us to this topic of prayer today. Father, we're in need of of this command upon us again this morning to pray. And Lord, we see something heavy and holy in our Savior and in His prayer this morning. And Lord, my prayer is this morning that You would teach us to pray. Just as the apostles asked, we ask that You come into us and show us Your heart for us and show us our need for You and make us a praying people again. And God, help us to receive Your prayer for us and Your intercession on our behalf. Lord, that you might guard your church from temptation of every kind. So we ask your guidance. We ask for your understanding. And your help by your very spirit. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. You know, I'm never a favor of emotionalizing a text. Sometimes there's a practice, and it's actually a successful practice in a lot of churches to just be over-emotionalized things. Uh, we can draw on the heartstrings and, and, and do so in very practical ways, um, but it misses the full context of what all's going on. There is an emotional element to prayer. And there certainly is if we look into this very real point in time. And I think we need to capture that. Not our own emotion, but that emotion of the apostles in Christ. And when, we're, when we scan this passage again and we understand the context in which it was written or in which these events were occurring. We've got to see the way the apostles were exhausted. They've spent the day celebrating the Passover, reflecting on all that, that God had done in history, but more than that, being told and, and promised of all that was fixing to take place in this life of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you've been through this, but a long day of teaching is an exhausting task. And then they are... They're left in confusion. They're not, they not just have received all of this teaching, but they've also been left confused, having to sort through all that Jesus was talking about, not quite understanding how the things would come to pass, things that they're not going to realize the full impact of until they see their Savior die and even raised. then they're left in complete sorrow because their teacher, the Messiah, the one who's supposed to lead this heavenly revolution, is, is going to die, and he's already told them this and promised them that they're going to lose their leader. So they're in sorrow. They're left at a point of exhaustion, not just physical fatigue. but they are emotionally and just uh, spiritually just they're broken. They're left. Uh, tired, and weak, and sorrowful. Even our own Savior, to see our Christ this way. In extreme anxiety and grief, and yet having such purpose in prayer and in sacrifice. I mean, get, get yourself there for a minute when you hear these words of prayer and these commands to pray, I think there's a very relevant application to ourselves in prayer. And so in a lot of ways in Christ and even by way of His command, we see prayer is commanded for us. It's a command. We have these commands from God, things that that are prescribed for us to do. Prayer is commanded. It's honest submission to God. We'll deal with that as well. And it's necessary. We need it. It is necessary in the life of the Christian. So prayer is the commanded, honest submission necessary in the life of the Christian. And so that's what we're talking about. It's commanded. When we come into this scene, the upper room discourse is over. We've been through that. The teaching, the time for teaching is over. And now they walk out and they're going to pray. Prayer is natural. The very first response of Jesus Christ was to pray. As was usual, we see that in the cast. He goes out to pray. This was the norm of Jesus Christ. He often did this, except for this time, the apostles go with him. He's not in complete isolation. Christ is not entirely alone. We know that, that Christ is characterized with this attachment to God, with his prayer life. He would often leave and go pray alone in the Mount of Olives or, uh, or even elsewhere at times. But this is characteristic in the life of Christ. And he takes them with him. He told them all that's going to take place. And he said, Apostles, pray. You see, they weren't just following him to write some teaching or to produce some documentary of his life. The apostles were following him to join with Christ in prayer. Now why? This isn't a time for teaching. He says, look, pray. Get on your knees. Pray with me. Come before the Lord. Be with God. Use this this moment, this, this small minute that we have for prayer before all of this is to be fulfilled. Pray. What were they to pray for? Protection. Protection from temptation. Now we need to we need to go with that for a minute because in every matter of temptation or need, first prayer needs to be our first response. It's our first line of defense. You know, in industry, you know, uh, my, my friends in the safety department, you know, they tell us PPE is the last line of defense. It's the very last thing. They don't, they don't need to equip for something to happen the the first line is uh engineering I'm looking to shame for my affirmation here is engineering we want to get rid of the safety issue and then and then you've got practice procedure can you do things differently and then you've got pp but we're not in industry we're talking about life as a christian And our first line of defense is prayer. God remains in control. We should come before Him. And so Jesus, concerning this preparation of this monumental task of the cross, His first response is to pray. And He commands His apostles to do the same. He says, pray. Pray that you do not enter into temptation you know in the past few weeks we've seen that these events all that's leading up to this is just a roller coaster i mean we've seen the the promise this attack of satan and jesus saying to peter look satan wanted to sift you like wheat We've seen and discussed at least the the prospect of of them all becoming criminals and and their lives being put into danger. Uh, All of this, uh, you know, Christ has talked about the the threat of betrayal. Certainly, they need protection. I mean, this hasn't even come to bear yet. Yet. Peter hasn't even been tempted yet. And so, Christ, it's important. Pray that you don't fall into temptation. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. You need to pray so that you don't enter into temptation. Amen. And so, there was more temptation even yet to come. And so, I think it's true the temptation isn't simply that they would grow tired or weary in this time. I've heard people equate that to say pray so that you don't fall into temptation or fall asleep. They weren't praying so they didn't fall asleep. They prayed so that their faith would not fail because the real temptation is fixing to be upon them. There's loads of temptation. They would be tempted in their faith. They would be tempted by Satan. They'd be tempted with persecution. And that would go with them for the duration of the rest of their ministry. And so they needed to pray for those times in which their faith would be shaken. In which they would need to rely upon God. Because it's not easy. It's not easy aligning themselves with a man who had just turned the world upside down. They too would be men who would turn the world upside down. It's not easy to do any of what it is they would do to go in somewhere where the the people hate the gospel, where they hate God and minister. It's not easy for us to witness to our colleagues oftentimes. It's not easy to administer to your family day in and day out. It's not easy to be unwavering, standing firm on the doctrines of God in a world that just opposes them. We need God's help. It's not easy to give up luxuries for the sake of obedience. Giving up what does belong to us for this ministry. So we need to turn to God who's our clear and present help. We've got to pray. You know, often we wait to ask for help and that by itself brings us harm. You know, a lot of times it's whenever we should have asked for help loading that heavy piece of furniture. But then we decide to do it by ourselves and hurt our back or something else. Find ourselves on under the ground or on the ground, you know, under a piece of equipment or something else and boy, then we'll holler for help, won't we? And I think it's similar in our prayer life. You know, we wait until the damage is done. And whenever we do that, we come to realize that we pray. And not only have we suffered great harm because of our lack of faithfulness, our lack of dependence upon God, but we've already disregarded our God for all that time. We've said, I'll depend on you whenever I I lack every other resource, whenever all those natural means have failed. Then I'll come to you, God. I won't won't ask you for help taking my next breath. I won't ask you for the things that are simple. I'm powerful enough. And this happens. We make a mess of things and then we expect Him to fix it. I think we need to change this. And you know, I see this all the time. This is what counseling looks like. Oftentimes, whenever I get to talk to people, they're only seeking counseling whenever everything else has failed. Whenever they have spent years neglecting their marriage. Whenever they've spent years neglecting their responsibilities as a parent. Whenever they have spent years falling headlong into their sin. And then they want to come to God. We need to pattern ourselves. This this shouldn't be true of people who are Christian. We need to pattern ourselves to seek help now while He's near, while we have time. He is our clear and present help. And, And frankly, now listen, He helps us in our time of need. We know this. But so many times, had we been faithful, had we relied upon God, we would avoid so many hardships and failings. Our failings come as the people removed from God. Um, So more than a preventative, prayer is a time for us to really get real before God because it certainly is a preventative, I think. When we learn to rely upon God in every moment, we come to Him on the front side to not pray for Him whenever, whenever we've had the wreck, but to pray pray to God as a family before we embark on a journey. To say, God, we're fixing to go out and we just want things to go smooth. We just want them to go smooth. We need your help. Because we know what it could take place. We know what travesty we could lose. What, what financial burden is at stake. The lives that could be lost. And we know that Satan is seeking who he may devour. And we need your help to just sustain us. We don't presume upon these riches of God's grace. We depend on Him as a preventative. But more than that, we've got to get real. Prayer involves honest submission to God. Now, it should be easy for us to understand, if, we, if we're honest, when we look at ourselves, we should be able to see our weakness and our shortcomings in our posture of prayer. And it could be that maybe the apostles didn't understand their need. Whenever they were commanded to pray, Peter was even warned, and the apostles were warned, look, man, Satan is ready. He wants to sift you like wheat in a way that doesn't preserve your faith. He wants to destroy you and your ministry. And I've prayed. Maybe Peter was still thinking, no, God, I just, Christ, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you to the end. Maybe he didn't realize his need. Still. Maybe all the apostles didn't understand their own weakness, but here we see Christ's posture in prayer as well. And I think in Him we get the right response. We see a man who Christ was fully man. Don't make the mistake of making Him God that was, somehow He didn't suffer like you or I suffered, that He was somehow more of a man, more than any other man could be. Now He was. He was. But he was certainly man. He was the he was the one who was tempted as we are tempted and suffered in the ways that we suffered. We've got to be real. And in Christ we see, we see someone who's honest in suffering and who is submit, submitting himself in the midst of the trial. And we grasp just how low the Son of God brought himself in this moment. Because the suffering that Christ endured was not just a scourge in the cross. Now granted, that was more than we can fathom in a lot of ways. And yet here, here we're seeing the suffering of Christ. For those of you that are looking for another book to read, I suggest to you A Case for Christ written by Lee Strobel. A man who was an atheist and took upon himself to investigate these events, in one chapter he investigates this claim that his sweat turned to droplets of blood. It's a real physical condition in which your anxiety is at such a level your blood vessels become engorged and tinge you know, the, your pores, essentially open up to your pores in which your sweat becomes tinged with blood. And it makes you especially vulnerable to the flesh or in the flesh. And so it's understandable. Christ comes in an honest way and he says, Father, remove this cup. Remove this cup if you're willing. If at all possible, take this cup from me. Now, this is the cup that he's talking about is the cup of God's wrath. It is the cup of suffering that he's fixing to endure. This is the cup that if you remember back whenever those two apostles, they said, "Uh, Jesus, let us sit on your right hand and on your left when you come into your kingdom. And he says, what? Do you even know what you're asking? Are you able to drink the cup that I drink from? This is the cup he's talking about. You don't even know what you're asking. And he promises, indeed, you will. Oh, you will drink of this cup. You may not sit on my right hand and on my left. That is the, father, the Father's decision, but you will drink of this cup. And we know that they all suffered and died in this ministry of Jesus Christ. This is that cup. And he's honest. His help and ours comes, you know, in suffering, it comes by way of prayer. Now, Jesus, the God man, the Christ, the Savior, did not undertake his task without prayer. Why should we? Now, whenever I come to this, I can't help but want to know more. I want to know what is, this heart, what is this heart of Christ and these words of Christ that are poured out before God in complete honesty and yet in submission. Not, not my will, but yours, Father. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By God's grace, we've been given some of this word. Now, it's not found in this. We call this the synoptics. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're all a very similar account, uh, maybe pulling off one another and building off each other's experience. But we go to the Gospel of John and we get an altogether different perspective of similar events. And so, all of John 17 is what has been called Jesus' high priestly prayer. It's this prayer that He gives in this garden of Gethsemane. I don't know if John was closer to Jesus with an earshot or whatever it may have been, but he records this prayer in this way and, and I want us to read it. I want us to see how it is that Christ submits Himself honestly in what He concerns Himself with in this way. Remember. The scenario. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the the hour has come. Glorify Thy Son that Thy Son may glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth, and I have finished the work that Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. I've manifested Thy name unto men which Thou gavest Me. Out of the world Thine they were, and Thou gavest them Me, and they have kept Thy word. Now they have known all the things whatsoever Thou hast given Me are of Thee. For I have given unto them the words which Thou gavest Me, and they have received them, and known surely that I am come from Thee, and they have believed that Thou didst send Me. I pray for them, pray not for the world, but for them which thou give me and they are thine. All mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. And I now am no more in the world, but these they are in the world. I come to thee, Holy Father, keep thou thine own name. Whom Thou hast given me. That they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. Those that Thou hast given me, I've kept. None of them is lost, but Thy son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to Thee. And these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them thy word. The world hath hated them because they're not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world but that thou should keep them from the evil. They're not of the world even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now send me into the world even so I also send them into the world for their sakes. I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me in the glory which thou gavest me I have given them and they may be one even as we are one I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that Thou hast sent me and hast loved them, and Thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which Thou hast given me, for Thou lovest me from before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known Thee, but I have known Thee these have known that thou sent me and I've declared unto them thy name and will declare it. And the love of where thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Our Savior went to the cross and this was the communication that strengthened him. And did you hear that? pray not only for them but for all who would believe because of their word. Amen. I can't imagine Christ praying for me in that moment. He taught us how to pray and in this we are shown what it means to pray. We absorb this. And I just want you to think how the prayer of Christ himself has impacted you. This prayer has reached all the way to us today. And so I think we still find ourselves dependent on God his word to the apostles at the request of Christ himself not only is this honest submission not only are we commanded to but guys we need this prayer is necessary for life and holiness before God after finishing his time in prayer Jesus returns the apostles he says why are you sleeping why are you sleeping don't you realize what is before you notice how Jesus doesn't simply say guys look you're weak I know you're weak you know I've prayed for you so now the ball's in his court It's in, in, in the father's court that's just not the way it works He says, pray, get up and pray. The hour's at hand, pray. I've I've prayed for you, you pray. His prayer was effective, but he calls the apostles to pray. And you know what I want to ask, and again remind us that the prayer, the temptation, they're, they're not praying so that they might not fall asleep. They're praying for all that lies ahead in life and ministry. The temptation is is much much more and much more difficult than that moment in the garden. And listen, if, if you are not faithful enough, if you're not devoted enough in prayer, how can you expect to be faithful enough and devoted enough when the trial comes? You haven't seen nothing yet. We're here free. We're not afraid anyone's gonna knock on the door. Like they are in China. You haven't seen nothing yet. I don't know how we'd expect to weather the storm or the temptation if we can't be faithful in the here and now, in the small things. And I think whenever we consider this, the small things aren't so small. You know, many times we hear from Christians. Christians say look I'm just tired of it all you know I wish it would all go away if you, you know the virus sickness or or persecution or or maybe a trial in the moment maybe you're you're exhausted you know in your marriage or in your parenting or in your workplace people don't want to hear the gospel maybe you're exhausted in ministry you know I do this and man just nobody shows up I don't see a change in any lives I just wish it was all over you know, I'm just tired. Now take that and put it in this moment. Jesus, I'm just so tired. People aren't listening already. I mean We already know man here in Jerusalem, we already know they're after us can't I mean why? Why can't this just I mean, you're here. Let it be fulfilled. Rule. your nations. You're the king. I wish it would all just be over. Such a response is utterly sinful. Stay awake. Stay obedient. Be watchful. Intercede for others. Fight the good fight. It's right here. Of course you're tired. I mean, yes, yes, parenting is hard. Yes, marriage is hard. And it might be true that you don't have any friends in the world. It doesn't matter. Press on. Be vigilant. Be ready for His coming. Be watchful of the enemy. Encourage your brothers and sisters in faith and readiness Every episode in the Bible is not the finale. Every, every promise is not given now. The best life isn't now. God promises rest. doesn't mean that we'll always have rest. It doesn't mean today is that day. God promises peace, but that does not mean that we will have, always have peace. It doesn't mean that today is going to be peaceful. He promises to bring low the, the, the wisdom of the world and to bring low the, the kingdoms of this world. It doesn't mean today. It doesn't mean that they will have their vainglory or that they won't have their vainglory. I hope you see where I'm going with this. I think sometimes Christians we expect God's promises but we reject God's time. And again, whatever the circumstances is, we see people, whatever the task, we see Christians pity themselves for their persecution, parents pity themselves for their parenting, spouses pity themselves in their marriage. And they only find things worse after they've refused the battle. It only gets worse. That time for battle, the fight, so to speak, is before us. Christ promises. Remember, he promises to Peter and the apostles, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Now, the gates of hell does not say hell will not prevail against the gates of heaven. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. We're on the attack. That is aggressive language. We are active in the battle as Christians. And for this we need prayer. We need it. It's this prayer. That's, this is what gives us this warrior mindset. Prayer is where we get this communication and uh, this call to order. As we, as we come to God's Word and we come to Him in prayer, it is our accepting of those call to order. It's, our, it's what gives us clarity of thought in crisis. We need to pray because we need the Father. We need prayer because the flesh is weak. We need prayer because we need God. And we need Christ. And so prayer is commanded. It's honest. Submission. Necessary in the life of the christian and i just want to tell you something this isn't this isn't directed to any person in here it's directed to every one of you here there's a reason that all of our churches this church included this one of our smallest gatherings is prayer meeting as we think in those terms war being waged around us now I don't know I don't know your private prayer time and I want to I want to I want to just I want this to buttress the encouragement to pray privately I don't want to tear that down in any way but you are a soldier ill equipped for battle if you're not in prayer. You're nothing and you will quickly be mitigated on a mission field. I know this as we talk about training stock ministries 10,000 repetitions repetitions, repetitions, repetitions have you done any training that's what you hear. Repetitions, why? Because you're nothing and someone is Repeated that. When someone's equipped, your training's nothing. I heard it in sports. There's always somebody willing to practice in the rain. Every day you don't practice, there is someone who is. And we're told Satan never sleeps. We've got to pray. You need to pray or your faith, because your faith will be tested. It will be tested. We need to pray, and that's why. is because Christ promises, He sustains us. He sustains everyone who are His. Jesus said, every one of them is mine. I've not lost a single one, and there's going to be more that come to me, and I'm not going to lose them. I'm praying for them, but we need God for that. We need Christ for that. If you're not praying, you are a fool who thinks that you're a Christian that can do something by yourself and you can't. That ain't Christianity. We rely upon God. Father, we come to You because we need You. Our strength comes... It comes not of our own accord. It comes not... Uh, because of some transition or some new leaf that we have turned over. It comes because who lives in us. It comes because who empowers us. It comes because of whose spirit we have. It comes because of who has prayed for us and who has answered our prayer. It comes because of who meets us in your word and who it is that speaks Through your word, Father, we know your strength and so we pray to you. God, sustain us. And I pray that you do make us a praying people. Lord, our churches... aren't under attack, or they they, they aren't thriving, and we know there's all these attacks. They're under attack. And yet, God, prayer. Lord, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I know we need you. I know that we need to be before you always. We need to stop acting as if these things won't happen to us. Or that our faith won't be tested to the point of its breaking, proving us false converts. Lord, let us look to you. Let us see Christ's example. Let's see His intercession on our behalf and cling to Him. Lord, let us not stop praying. In all of this, let's not forget the ministry that's been done on our behalf. The prayers of our Savior. The intercession of your Spirit. Father, in this heavenly conversation, we take strength that we cannot fail. Father, wake us up. Command us again to watch and pray. And bear us up where we have failed you. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, We grow in relationships. We grow in Jesus Christ. Subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday.